Hello everybody, welcome to No News. I'm your host Joel Seymour and this is going to be a weird episode. But this past week has been a very weird week for news as well. I am back home now after my governor has closed the public schools in my state. But I feel like even though I'm not at Lander's campus and doing this on XLR, I feel like this needs to be made. I'm going to upload a very long episode, most likely. I don't know. This is me just starting it. Um, it's going to be a little informal, but hopefully still professional. And alongside with this, I'm going to be uploading the different articles uh, separately, all together on a separate blog. Um, there you're going to be able to find all the stories that I cover here and all that come up in the future. Obviously, I'm not going to be doing this show for at least a couple weeks, but this is an important topic that needs to be addressed. And as you're going to see, there's good news to be shared. It just needs to get out there. So, without further ado, let's address the coronavirus. COVID-19. With this or any other pandemic, what scares us the most is the uncertainty, what we don't know. So, I think before we actually get into the news itself that happens this week, it's important to make sure that we address a understanding of what are the dangers with the coronavirus, what exactly we're dealing with here. And thankfully, the University of Harvard has the Coronavirus Resource Center. Um, in this link, they have links to various resources and databases, social distancing tips, and FAQs for both coronaviruses in general, which includes many colds we normally get, as well as an FAQ for the COVID-19 stream specifically, this, this virus that is causing all of this. So let's, as a little bit of a highlight, look on their website and ask the question, how much of a threat is it really? And the best place to start is with the death tolls. Um, how deadly is this virus really? And according to Harvard, numbers differ between if you are looking at the fatality rate, which is the risk of death among those who are infected, or the total number of deaths. So far, influenza has caused far more deaths than this flu season, um, both U.S. and worldwide, than COVID-19. This is why you may have heard it said that the flu is a bigger threat. Regarding the fatality rate, it appears that the risk of death with the pandemic coronavirus infection, commonly estimated at 3% to 4%, is less than it was for SARS, which was approximately 11%, and MERS, which was about 35%, but may be higher than the risk of uh, seasonal flu, which averages about 0.1%. However, 
the numbers circulating right now for this new coronavirus are likely to be adjusted over time, as more people are tested and reporting becomes more consistent. For example, testing has been limited at the start of the outbreak, which could result in a fewer identified cases, making it seem as though a larger percentage of infections are fatal. In fact, some recent estimates put the mortality rate of the new coronavirus closer to 1%. The people who are really going to be in danger from this new string of coronavirus um, and in danger of developing serious illness from it are older people and those with underlying medical problems like chronic bronchitis, uh, emphysema, heart failure, or diabetes. The reason that this coronavirus is such a big deal is because of its uh, it's not because of its deadliness. It's just like any other coronavirus. The issue that COVID-19 has is that there are no currently available antiviral drugs that can um, address it. But we are going to cover that a little bit later as well. So with that basic uh, understanding of what the danger is behind COVID-19, where does it currently stand in the world? What is the threat? Well, according to Arab News, right now there are more than 60,000 coronavirus patients who have recovered globally. According to Arab News, as panic spreads over the growing toll of coronavirus infections globally, reassurance can be found in the high number of recovery rates. More than 63,600 have recovered from the illness out of 113,739 since it was first announced in late December. That is more than half the numbers of infected to date. So far, 115 have reported in uh, so far 115 countries have reported infections with the vast majority in China at more than 80,750 followed by Italy with in excess of 9,170 but countries are also reporting recovery rates daily the UAE's Ministry of Health and Prevention on Monday announced the recovery of five patients of the COVID-19 coronavirus. This brought the total number of recovered patients in the UAE to 12. The World Health Organization stressed that the mortality rate remains relatively low. According to them, quote, this is a very serious outbreak and it has the potential to grow. But we need to balance that in terms of the numbers of people infected. Outside Hubei, this epidemic is affecting a very, very tiny, tiny proportion of people. According to Michael Ryan, who, head of the World Health Organization's Health Emergencies Program. In China, there were 3,136 recorded deaths when this story was written. But uh, 59,943 recoveries. While the spread of the virus has raised concerns, so too has the myths and misinformation about the disease, prompting the World Health Organization to refer to it as an infodemic. 
And that is the main thing that I'm hoping to address with this. Hopefully this podcast special, if you want to put in those flowery terms, hopefully this can help that infodemic. Yes, there is reason to be concerned, and I'm not ever going to try to negate that. But what I am trying to hope to stop is the panic. Because that's not, that's not what we need right now. When we panic, we get consumed with our own thoughts. We get consumed with our own fears for ourselves. And as a result, we lose sight of what we can do for each other. If I'm too worried for my own well-being to even recognize that someone else is suffering, I have lost two lives in that. This past week was one of the most insane and panicky weeks of news I have ever seen. <laughs> there are so many people scared and angry. There are events and institutions that seem so monumental, totally shutting down. And again, I don't want to try to pretend like this is nothing because it is very important. But even more so important, the world is not ending. And the good news, it's far from over. So let's look at just some of the good news from just this past week. Let's put an end to this infodemic and let's get you the rest of the coronavirus story. other piece of news, I feel like it's important to address what people are doing to put an end to the virus's power. According to CTV New, Canadian scientists make COVID-19 research breakthrough, isolating virus. A group of Canadian scientists has successfully isolated and grown copies of the novel coronavirus responsible for the COVID-19 pandemic, paving the way for a potential vaccine. Researchers say isolating the virus will help develop treatments, vaccines, and tests for the virus and allow them to conduct long-term research to understand the biology of COVID-19. Quote, we need key tools to develop solutions to this pandemic, end quote. Dr. Samira Muberka, microbiologist and infectious disease physician at Sunnybrook, said in a statement, quote, while the immediate response is crucial, longer-term solutions come from essential research into this novel virus. The team made up of scientists from Sunnybrook Hospital, McMaster's University, and the University of Toronto used samples taken from two Canadian COVID-19 patients to replicate the virus in a level 3 containment facility at the University of Toronto in a matter of weeks. Muberka says having access to the virus will allow researchers to start working on potential solutions to pandemic before the outbreak peaks in Canada. Meanwhile, Quebec-based biotech Medicago says 
it has taken the first steps towards a vaccine by producing a virus-like particle of the novel coronavirus, which will now undergo testing for safety and efficiency. But that's just the beginning of what's happening in Canada. According to Narcity, Canada's first coronavirus vaccine made in Saskatchewan is now in the testing stages. While the world is making monumental changes in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic, a vaccine is being worked on in Canada, and now a Saskatchewan coronavirus vaccine is officially in testing stages. Although there is still a long road ahead for human use, officials are working as hard as they can as more grant money comes in. Back in January 2020, it was announced that the University of Saskatchewan received permission from the Public Health Agency of Canada to start working on a vaccine for COVID-19. Since then, researchers have been accepting grant grants to help the process along. While it can take up a year to complete, CJWW has confirmed with the University of Saskatchewan's Vaccine and Infectious Disease Organization's International Vaccine Center that the vaccine is now being tested on animals. As of now, there's no timeline as to when it could be ready for human use. Volker Gertz, CEO and director of VIDO Intervac, told CJWW that Everything learned from the first SARS outbreak gives the researchers an idea of what the vaccine will look like. He also added that as they are now a few weeks away from finishing research stages, he is positive the vaccine will work. Once the animal testing is complete, the research team will then need to send any viable vaccine away for clinical studies before being confirmed as safe for humans. In a similar effort, according to Innovation Origins, Dutch researchers find coronavirus antibody, a world premiere for Erasmus MC and Utrecht University. Researchers from the two universities have discovered an antibody against COVID-19. The scientific paper from the group of 10 scientists is now ready for peer reviews from the leading professional journal Nature. The Rotterdam University Journal, Erasmus Magazine, first reported the sensational news. According to one of the people who identified it, the antibody that blocks the infection of SARS-1 and SARS-2 was already briefly laying in the fridge at Erasmus MC in Rotterdam. Professor of Cell Biology Frank Goesveld is part of the team of 10 scientists. He posted the article about the discovery to BioRixDiv last Thursday. BioRixDiv is a website where biologists can publish their research before it has been peer-reviewed by a professional journal. The summary talks about an antibody against SARS-2, the coronavirus that is causing the current pandemic. The antibody may detect and prevent this from this form of corona infection. This would, therefore, make the active antibody a world premiere. The antibody still has to be tested on human beings, and this will take a few months. 
Yet Grosveld is hopeful. According to Erasmus Magazine, quote, we are now trying to get a pharmaceutical company on board. That's looking good, by the way, which can mass produce the antibody as a medicine on a large scale. This is the first antibody that we know that will block the infection. And there is a good chance that this will become a medicine that reaches the market. If this is taken by a patient, then it is expected that the infection can be stopped in that patient. So the patient will have a chance of recovery, end quote. All of that is just the beginning of the avenues for defense. According to Clinical OMIC, scientists uncover protein that inhibits coronaviruses. A protein produced by the human immune system can potentially inhibit several coronaviruses, including the one behind the current COVID-19 outbreak, an international team of investigators reports. Their research reveals that the LY6E protein impairs the coronavirus's ability to initiate infection, which could lead to treatments for the illness. Mice lacking LY6E, the mouse version of the gene, were highly susceptible to a usually non-lethal mouse coronavirus, the researchers reported in BioRixiv, an online preprint server that posts articles prior to peer review, as mentioned in the last article. They report that, quote, LY6E directly protects primary B cells to dendritic cells from the murine COV infection. Our results demonstrate that LY6E is a critical antiviral immune effector that controls COV infections and pathogenesis. Further, quote, remarkably, this potent inhibitory effect carried over to all the coronaviruses we tested, including those responsible for the severe acute res uh, respiratory syndrome coronaviruses, or SARS-CoV, the outbreak in 2003, the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, MERS, coronaviruses in 2012, and the recently emerged causative agent of COVID-19, known as SARS-CoV-2, says John Scoggins, PhD, an associate professor of microbiology at UT Southern Western Medical Center and one of the three corresponding authors on the report. This research began years ago when Scoggins was screening for antiviral genes and found that LY6E gene unexpectedly enhanced the, in, uh, the infectivity of the virus that caused flu. In 2017, Stephanie Fender, PhD, a postdoctoral researcher from the Swiss lab of Volkerthiel, PhD, one of the world's leading experts on coronavirus biology, visited the Rice Labs to use Scoggins screening technology to find genes that inhibit coronavirus. This led to the discovery that LY6E potentially inhibited coronaviruses. <clears throat> coronavirus. Quote, when we later learned that LY6E did the opposite with coronavirus, that is, it inhibited rather than enhanced infection, 
we were immediately intrigued, particularly because we already developed an animal model to study the role of LY6E during viral infection, says Scoggins. Thus, the Thiel and Rice labs began to further study the LY6E protein. The team had worked for almost two years on its study before the current coronavirus outbreak. They had found that the LY6E protein inhibited other coronaviruses, the one implicated in SARS and MERS. When the pathogen that caused COVID-19 came to the world's attention in January. So, I bring all of these different articles up about possible ways to approach eradicating COVID-19, not because any of them are going to happen soon or because any one specific is the answer. Each of these are have a long way to go before they make a public difference. But the main thing that I wanted to address is just to show in depth that we are far from being backed into a corner here, that there are scientists who are all working like crazy to take down this virus from every side possible. We have vaccines that are being developed, multiple types of vaccines from multiple different study groups. We have proteins that are going to be fighting it. We have the ability to fight back. This isn't as though this virus is the end-all be-all. This isn't going to completely take over. It's not like we are helpless. Because we have wonderful, extremely intelligent scientists who are doing everything they can to make a difference in our lives. As they work tirelessly away to creative solutions, though, the virus's power to spread is already being hindered in major ways. According to This Week in Asia, South Korea's infection rate falls without citywide lockdowns like China or Italy. According to them, South Korea had 7,513 cases as of Monday, with daily infections falling for a fourth consecutive day. Officials attribute the decrease to a mass testing, improved public communication, and the use of advanced technology. Now, obviously, this is a really good article, but that was a few days before this one popped up by Reuters. According to them, South Korea reports more recoveries than coronavirus cases for the first time. South Korea reported more recoveries from the coronavirus than new infections on Friday for the first time since its outbreak emerged in January, as a downward trend in daily cases raised hopes that Asia's biggest epidemic outside China may be slowing. The Korea Centers for Disease Controls and Prevention, or the KCDC, recorded 110 new coronavirus cases on Friday, compared with 114 a day earlier, taking the national tally to 7,979. A death toll rose by 5 to 72 as of late Friday. In contrast, 
177 patients were released from hospitals where they had been isolated for treatment, the KCDC said. This marks the first time that the daily number of recovered people exceeded that of new infections since South Korea's first patient was confirmed on January 20th. The latest figures are in line with a downward trend in new cases, which was raised hopes that the outbreak may be easing in Asia's fourth largest economy. The trend is expected to persist, with more self-quarantine patients being discharged in the coming days, KCDC's chief Zhang Inkyun said. At least 109 cases so far have been linked to the call center, operated by an insurance company whose 800-strong workforce is being tested or in quarantine for monitoring. But the rate of increase in new infections has been slowing over the past couple of days. Seoul City said it plans to carry out extensive checks on some 10,000 computer cafes and karaoke bars as part of efforts to prevent the spread of the virus in crowded workplaces. Quote, we've assessed that we've put out a big fire, but cannot lower our guard yet, Mayor Park Wonsoon told a briefing. The U.S. clearly now has started to take precautions as well, trying to mimic that same recession of cases. According to Reuters as well, U.S. House passes coronavirus bill funding free tests and sick leave. The U.S. House of Representatives overwhelmingly passed a coronavirus aid package early on Saturday that would provide free testing and paid sick leave in a bid to limit the economic damage from the pandemic that has shuttered schools, sport arenas, and offices. By a bipartisan vote of 363 to 40, the House passed a multi-billion dollar effort that would expand safety net programs to help those who could be thrown out of work in the few weeks to come. Economists say the outbreak could tip the U.S. economy into recession. President Donald Trump said he supported the package, raising the likelihood that it will pass the Republican-controlled Senate next week. The article goes on to elaborate on the specific details of the bill, and if you're interested to see exactly what they're planning, I would definitely suggest that you check it out. But I wanted to make sure that I addressed this, as well as the Korean stories, just to, again, note the fact that recovery isn't just possible, it's happening and it is expanding. These precautions that we are taking can be effective and have been effective. And as we allow this virus to pass, as we respect it in a healthy manner, not freaking out, but respecting it, our defense against it gets more robust each day. There are scientists and labs all over the world that are currently doing everything they can to find a solution to this problem. So even though, yes, we are at risk because there is no way to combat this virus yet, people are taking the precautions that are needed so that it cannot grow and the action needed to make sure that it never does again. 
That is fantastic news. But it kind of leaves us in the middle of the storm. It's great to know that things aren't going to end. But how are we going to get through today? What are people doing and what can we do that can make this whole experience worthwhile? What good news can come of any of this? Well, let's find out. So before we get into this next section, I just really wanted to quickly uh, step aside and address this crazy article that I found. According to GFeed, COVID-19 reduces economic activity, which reduces pollution, which saves lives. Like, I know at first it sounds like a very crazy stretch. But they go through their entire calculations process and why they say that. Uh, it's primarily hard data, so it doesn't necessarily make for good radio. But according to them, they, quote, calculate that the reductions in air pollution in China caused by this economic disruption likely saved 20 times more lives in China than have currently been lost due to infection with the virus in that country. If you would like to read that for yourself or to double check it, because again, I realize it sounds insane. You absolutely can and you should. Again, it was from GFeed. Now onto the question of how everybody is intentionally coping, or rather, how everybody is intentionally making a difference for others. Let's start with governments. According to Fox 2 in Detroit, Detroit to restore water service to unpaid homes to allow people to wash their hands to avoid coronavirus. Though there are currently zero cases of coronavirus, COVID-19 in Michigan, the city is taking this proactive step as the threat is still considered to uh, still considered low to moderate. Mayor Dungan announced the city would keep the water on for people who received a notice to turn their waters off or are currently living without water due to unpaid bills. For anyone living without water, Dungan said users should call a specific number starting on Wednesday. Duggan said that financial reasons should not be a reason for Detroiters to live without water amid the coronavirus outbreak. Quote, as of Wednesday, the only residents in the city of Detroit who don't have water on are those who don't reach out. The city is also putting a temporary stop on water shutoffs until the coronavirus concerns are over. The state is assisting by paying the $25 fees for the first 30 days of the program. Once the coronavirus program ends, Duggan said they would be, quote, phased into a plan they can afford. 
Meanwhile, in Cleveland, according to IdeaStream, CMSD will feed kids while schools are closed. Young people in the Cleveland area will have access to three free meals a day during the extended spring break that begins next week. Cleveland Metropolitan School District CEO Eric Gordon said Friday that the district will host 22 sites where any person under the age of 18 can pick up a two-meal package containing breakfast and lunch. The service will operate between 11.30 and 1 p.m. Monday through Friday. CMSD will provide shuttle service to the nearest host site from all its pre-K through 8 school buildings. Quote, the lunch program we're offering is not only for CMSD, it's for any children 18 or younger. So, if there is a community that doesn't have access and they can get to one of our 22 sites, we'll feed them. Those under 18 can also continue to receive free dinners at Cleveland's 21 recreation centers. Other groups, including the Boys and Girls Clubs and some local libraries, are adjusting meal services in response to the school closures. It's not just governments and school districts that are trying to make a difference, though. Big companies and small companies are doing what they can to make this pandemic something good and something beneficial to people. Let's start with the very big companies. KTLA5 reports that Disneyland is to donate excess food to OC Food Bank during closure. As Disney prepares to close both of its Anaheim theme parks over coronavirus concerns, the Disneyland Resort announced Friday that it will donate its excess foods inventory to a local food bank. The donation to Second Harvest Food Bank of Orange County will include dairy, fruit, vegetables, packaged goods, and banquet meals, according to a post on the Disney Parks blog. Disney emphasized that food safety guidelines will be closely followed as it excess stores are supplied to the organization. Companies are also making sure to take care of their employees. According to 9to5Mac, Apple giving retail and hourly workers unlimited sick leave for coronavirus-like symptoms. Apple retail workers are not required to submit a doctor's note for this time off. This means that if they're experiencing the COVID-19 symptoms, they can take the time that they need without having to worry about running out of sick days or providing a note to management. In a similar way, Taco Bell is also addressing the concerns of their employees with a publicly available letter from Mark King, the CEO of Taco Bell Corp, in a post called A Letter to Our Friends. They are, quote, amending their sick policy at their company-owned U.S. restaurants to pay their employees who are required to stay home or who work at a restaurant that is closed and, quote, actively working with their franchise partners to encourage a similar approach. As for the NBA, now that their entire season is canceled, athletes are coming together for the employees of various arenas that will now be empty, making sure that they get the pay that they need. 
According to KSL, Rudy Gobert donates $500,000 to Vivint Arena employees, those affected by COVID-19. Rudy Gobert already apologized for his less-than-serious attitude towards the COVID-19 pandemic. Now he's trying to make up for it in a big way. According to CBS, NBA star Kevin Love donates $100,000 to help Cleveland Cavaliers arena workers impacted by the coronavirus. Then ESPN also reports that Giannis Adendokounmpo and Zion Williams, among other stars, aiding arena workers. Now, these are fantastic. It is wonderful to hear that these NBA stars are able to donate so much to the people that allow them to have the crowds that they do. It's fantastic to hear about Disneyland being able to donate so much food to people in need. But let's not get distracted from reality, from what we can do. Sure, it's not it's not possible for us to donate thousands of dollars like that or hundreds of pounds of food, but it's not just the rich and the famous and the big corporations that are making meaningful differences. According to The Independent, Corner shop giving away face mask, antibacterial hand gel, and cleaning wipes to elderly. A corner shop in Scotland is giving anyone over the age of 65 free face masks, antibacterial hand gel, and cleaning wipes in a bid to slow the spread of coronavirus. Pensures shopping at Day to Day Express in Steinhausmuir can pick up a bag of essential items. Those unable to make it to the shop themselves can even have them delivered for free. Asaya and Jawad Javid, who run the corner shop, said the act of generosity had cost their business about £2,000. Each bag had cost about £2 to put together, and they had delivered 500 of them. Quote, on Saturday, I was out, and I met an old woman. She was crying because she had been to the supermarket and there was no hand wash, Miss Javad said. Quote, I feel it's not fair on elderly people. Some can't get out of the house. We are delivering 30 packages to a care home where there are 30 people living, and we've got another couple of hundred in the shop. Some people are asking for them to be delivered as they're old or disabled or don't drive. We're just trying to help people who can't get out of the house, end quote. The forward-thinking couple had stocked up at a cash and carry before coronavirus hit Scotland and supplies of hand soap had run low. Quote, people thought I was going to sell them, but I had this in mind, she added. I thought it's time to give now not when coronavirus is here. You don't want to give them out when people have already got the virus. Other shopkeepers are buying them to sell. We're buying them to give away. Some of the younger customers at Day to Day Express ridiculed the pair for their generosity, she reported. Quote, other shoppers are calling us stupid, saying, why are you giving them away for free? But money is not everything. There will be the opportunity to make money in the future, she said.
You don't even have to own your own store to make an impact, though. What they are doing in Scotland is absolutely wonderful, and I want to talk a little bit more about it in just a moment. But I want to examine one more story today about how people are making a difference right where they are. According to NBC, people are coming together across the U.S. to support local Chinatowns amid coronavirus fears. When Jose Corcales saw how coronavirus fears were taking a toll on Chicago's Chinatown, emptying out streets typically humming with residents and tourists, the last thoughts on his mind was staying away. He turned to social media and, with his friend Carlos Matias, organized a restaurant crawl for the end of February. He said he expected five, maybe ten people to show up. But when the day came, despite frigid temperatures, the turnout was closer to 100. And that is representative of groups nationwide doing the same. Foot traffic in Chinatowns across the country have plummeted, with some restaurants reporting losing as much as 80% of their businesses. In some cases, restaurants have had to close, including four dim sum parlors, this week in Sunset Park home to Brooklyn's sprawling Chinatown. Corcalis, 29, an artist and educator, told NBC Asian America that his effort was rooted in a sense of solidarity. Quote, It's the love that Chicagoans, and specifically people of color, have for Chinatown, he said. As a child of Mexican and Guatemalan immigrants, Corcalis said he felt sympathetic to Asian Americans who have faced xenophobia as a result of the virus, and emphasized the importance of building, quote, some solidarity across racial divisions, end quote. Across the country, politicians, organizers, and nonprofits have begun efforts to support Chinatown communities. In many cities, city officials and council members have made public shows of support, sitting down for lunches at Chinatown restaurants and inviting others to do the same. And with that article, I think it's funny that we end it here. Because, in a sense, we're back where we started. This idea of not allowing the fear of the unknown to control us to taking that back. When we have that misplaced fear, any evil seems possible. That's when we fend for our lives and end up hurting the livelihood of others, whether we recognize it or not. That's when we hoard, afraid of running out, only to ensure those less fortunate than us experience what we're trying to hide from. The more we forfeit ourselves to fear of evil, the more we foster the evil that we fear. But if we believe the good that is buried, and we believe it's worth digging up, that it's worth exposing, the more it encourages us to be a part of that good. So, after you are finished listening, after you take your ear pods out, we're going to be facing the world again.
as you decide to see it. You can see it as a place of pure chaos, of pure panic, or you can decide that the good news does not end here. Don't get crushed by the bad news. It's out there. We're not going to be able to change that. But you can decide to know the good news that is already out there as well. You can decide to intentionally go out and make a difference. That is up to you. This is my first step of many. So let us go and let us make a difference. Let us bless all that we can, knowing that fear cannot lord over us when we abide in true love. Let us be the love that we were created to be. Let's go and make known the good news. <laughs>